Hey everyone, welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as, obviously, their recent or upcoming video games. In this episode, I talk with Amos Labor from Frolic Labs about their upcoming game, Dune Sea, a side-scrolling adventure platformer where you take control of a goose flying across deserts, volcanoes, and wastelands after a catastrophe has shaken the earth. For more information about the game, check out the links in the description below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on DarkStation.com. There you can find the original DarkCast as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at DarkStation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. to DarkCast Interviews, everybody. I'm Jonathan. Joining me today is Amos Labor. How are you doing, Amos? Hi, yeah, doing great. Glad um... to hear it. <laughs> Glad to hear it. This is, this is try number two for people uh, behind the scenes. I, I had a mess up, and we, we almost had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I threw a monkey in that wrench uh, really bad. But we're here, and I'm so happy, because uh, we are here to talk about a uh, video game called Dune Sea, which, as of this recording, is not quite out yet, but it's coming out pretty soon. Um, and it looks like a very nice, tranquil game about birds flying across the desert. Uh, is that is that an accurate representation? Is it a tranquil game, or, or, or are the trailers lying to me? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, we, we aim for uh, sort of a chill vibe for that game kind of an atmospheric um i guess slow pace yeah j- just uh again the, the chill thing uh you know as opposed to uh anything stressful or fast paced so we, you don't see any violence or any you know combat or anything like that so okay. Now, bird combat could be interesting. That might be a, another game, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I know other games about something like that. But uh, kind of like uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Birds, but instead of being the people and being terrified, you're the birds and you're doing the terrifying. But, yeah, uh, you, sh- you should throw that into your hat for uh, some yeah, other yeah. time. Uh, but uh, so we'll, we'll talk about more. You know, we'll talk more about the game in just a second. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I do like to get to know uh, my developers uh, a little bit. So, what's your role on the game? And uh, we'll, I guess, we'll kind of go from from there. What do you What do you do on Dune C? Uh, okay. So I'm I'm a I'm a coder. So uh, what I do in Dune C is I do all the code. Uh, which is pretty simple, but uh, I'm also the owner of the studio, so I'm kind of doing other things, uh, as um, often happens in indie in projects. So uh, I, I do a little bit of pro- production, 
So uh, you can you can call me like a producer. Uh, I handle some of the business side as well. Um, and um, you know, depending on the other team members, sometimes I have to do art direction as well. Hmm. Um, yeah. And That's interesting. I f- I feel like. Uh, of all the the things where you hear about people talk about, you know, especially with indie developers, uh, you got to be multidisciplined and you're wearing a lot of hats. But I feel like coding and and art uh, don't generally go together. You can you can code and write, you can do art and write, you can do music and one of those other things. But just so much of the time, the for whatever reason, the parts of your brain that do the coding and the parts that do the uh, the artistry. Um, don't kind of blend that well. Those are usually kind of separate things. So that's that's really cool. You've got your your hands in the in all the the pots. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not just just to clarify. I'm I'm not an artist and not, don't claim to be one. <laughs> uh, but you know, after after like uh, I don't know, twelve years uh, working with artists and creative people, so you you kind of get some sense of what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. So, so then I can um, at least able to direct uh, artists and creative uh, uh, people working with me uh, to, towards you know whatever you know direction I have. So um, yeah, I'm I'm am an engineer. I, I don't okay. do, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any formal training in, in art or anything. So is it more uh, when when you're working on uh, what what do you usually work on when you're working on art? Is it backgrounds? Is it models? What, uh, or is it just a little bit of everything? Oh, I'm not I'm not the one working on art. Oh, you, so okay, I, you're not working on that at all. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, no, I, I yeah, misunderstood. I just, yeah, I was I like just people to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That that makes uh, makes a lot more sense and makes you seem like less of a uh, a Renaissance man. So that's <laughs> um. So what is your, your background before uh, forming uh, Frolic Labs? And is, is Dune C uh, the studio's first title? Yeah, it is. So my, yeah, my background, it's a, a little boring. Uh, I just started as a, you know, software developer. I've been doing non-games. I did, like, applications for years. Then I got into uh, the game industry at some point and uh when i started uh like over here in toronto toronto didn't have almost no game studios around maybe there was one indie scene was almost non-existent but yeah i I, somehow i got a job at um at a studio uh, from niagara silicon knights okay Um, And yeah, and uh, that was sort of my my first uh, foray into the you know AAA uh, scene with a, an actual game job. Before that, I was more like um, uh, sort of an, more like a hobbyist amateur thing <laughs> to do with games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, so I was uh, Silicon Knights. I spent a couple of years. Did a bunch of projects, but yeah, I so I, I I learned a lot, and that's the sort of environment that you, uh, you know, you work with uh, a, a a large team. I don't know, they had they had a hundred plus people there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, interact with like 
animators and uh, 3D modelers and artists and whatnot. And so you get to see all aspects of uh, game development, you know, while you just do your part. So uh, yeah, over there I was an engine developer and then I was a gameplay developer. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was uh, really cool there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, after that, uh, you know, the industry kind of goes, uh, in these waves, uh, there was this, um, wave of, uh, you know, mobile and social games, uh, kind of took over. So I went with that, spent a few years, uh, doing social games at various studios around. And, uh, yeah, and then at some point, uh, I decided... Uh, I want to have my own uh, shop, so I incorporated as uh, Frolic Clubs and try to do some uh, casual games. Uh, ended up uh, just getting business for other studios, uh, <laughs> and did like yeah a bunch of sm- smaller projects. Okay, very so, cool. Now, um, I uh, I've been fascinated by Silicon Knights's history. Uh, they've Created some of my favorite games. Uh, the first Legacy of Cain game, uh, Blood Omen, and uh, Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, and right. a game that I was super excited for and ultimately really let down about Too Human. Uh, yeah. What What did you work on while you were there? So yeah, I, I uh, when I came over, uh, Too Human was the wrapping up. Okay. So I, I am credited on the game, I, but I was um, I was an en- engine developer uh, back then. Uh, so so I worked on that, and then uh, most of my time there I, I spent on a, on another project that that was a game that got cancelled, hmm. uh, and it uh, was called the. Uh, so the working title was the box. It was kind of a. a Mystery title, uh, kind of like uh, Alan Wake, hmm. I guess. Um, okay. We worked on that for like, yeah, uh, almost a year and a half. It got canceled twice, once by Sega and once by other developer. I don't, I don't even oh. recall. Then they moved us into a bunch of other projects, and I got to do um, another Activision uh, title, uh, which was uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. Okay. So, so that that was my work there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I didn't realize that um, that Silicon Knights worked on Marvel Ultimate Alliance too. Uh, I know they they made the X Men. Oh god, they made right. some sort of X Men RPG right. game, and I don't yeah, remember that what was, that was called. But so the, um, yeah, the the that one was like they they loaned the team to another studio. Uh, okay. Because they worked with Activision, so uh, the, the developers was uh, Vicarious Visions uh, uh, out of Albany. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, so we worked with them. Interesting. Very cool. Um, that's that's awesome. Uh, so but uh, that that also means I, I I don't need to to blame you for uh, for too human. So you you dodged that bullet there. Good job. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> How long has Frolic Labs been around, and uh, how long have you been working on Dune C? Uh, so Frolic Labs was around for about five years. 
Dunsi is something that we work on um, since 19, since uh, 2016. Uh, so about three years, but uh, not, not continuously, like on and off. Um, so I would say, yeah, give or take a couple of years. Um, so, but yeah, over the past couple of years, that that's basically the the main thing that we do. Okay. Awesome. Well, since we're we're on the subject of it, uh, let's talk about Dune C. What uh, I guess start off with the the elevator pitch, and then we'll we'll dig into it. Right. So, um, Dune C is a game that lets you fly like a bird. That that's the basic uh, premise of that. Um, it kind of started as a sort of an experiment that we wanted to try out to have like an endless runner thing and soon discovered that 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 genre is kind of a, um yeah not no very interesting for us uh so then um it was more about uh, you know having cool characters uh and i wanted to make a game that the, all the characters are animals and birds that sort of uh you know do stuff interact with each other interact with the environment um so we got this thing where uh oh you're you're like a, some sort of a migrating bird and uh all of a sudden you find yourself in this uh strange and hostile environment uh, and you have to uh, somehow, you know, cross over, uh, survive, um, and try try to pass through uh, to reach through your, your destination. Um, and that's what the game is uh, is basically about. Okay. So uh, you, mentioning Infinite Runners, that's and watching the trailer and, and looking at the screenshots and everything, I did kind of get that vibe. Uh, of some infinite runners, uh, most specifically, the, uh, what's it? I, I should have written this down before I started asking this question, but it's uh, I think it's Alto's Odyssey or Alto's Quest is like a little snowboarding game on mobile phones where you're just kind of like I don't know zipping around. It's also kind of peaceful and, and just reminded me a little bit of that. So, so it started life as a infinite runner. Uh yeah, you're. You're uh, mostly correct, uh, and and I I uh, personally did enjoy playing Alto's Adventure uh, back then when when uh, at the time where people were actually buying games for uh, <laughs> for mobile, you know, and that was really cool. And uh, and actually I think probably around 2014 or 2015. Um, but then, as I said, the the sort of the the um the market environment kind of kind of shifted uh so and indies cannot do mobile games anymore um so it says uh yeah we we can't really bring uh something like uh just an endless uh runner experience to to you know to a to a desktop uh people don't like that so we we need to sort of um Rework the game to be more like a, sort of an adventure game. Mm -hmm. 
but the the vibe the vibe and the sort of a f- uh, fluid feel uh, is what we're still going for and yeah and definitely you, you can see that over there because that that's the one thing they do very well uh, it, you, you sort of uh, effortlessly glide and um, you know float around uh, and that, that's that, that's one one of the great hooks of that game mm-hmm. that we yeah we, that we definitely wanted to borrow okay very cool so how I guess, you know, it, just watching a, a screenshot of the game, watching a screenshot, watching a, a video of the game or looking at screenshots, uh, it's very easy to see kind of that that gliding and everything. How how do the more adventure game aspects of it work out? What what else are you doing besides kind of flying around the, the world? Um, yeah, so... Basically, the the mechanics we sort of uh, designed for that were uh, the, there are a bunch of challenges. So challenges could involve basically activating uh, the challenge by coming over with a with a bunch of uh, birds in your flock. So they're they're kind of uh, they're unlockable with uh, each with its own um, requirements of. What, what you bring with you, and then the, there's a challenge of uh, flying through hoops, which in turn just activates something. When you, when you finish it, it will activate uh, something in the environment. So usually you would uh, clear a passage or trigger a rock slide or something along these lines. Hmm. Yeah, and apart from, the, from the, this challenge, we also have the... Uh, the flocking, where you actually invite other birds to fly with you, and you sort of build your own flock as you pass through the through the desert. So with them, they enable you to do all sort of stuff. There are uh, aerial stunts that you can do, sort of a, a more like, more like a show thing, but also to add to the uh, you know, variety of motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you're not just flying. You you can you can do you can do gliding. You can do like these dives, and uh, there's like a barrel roll. So all these sort of come together with the flocking, sort of to give you a, I, I guess a, a, a more deeper experience of, you know, uh, navigating through the the, the different. Um, obstacles that that you have in the environment okay and by the way uh i don't know if i I mentioned that before so uh we kind of uh in the design we took inspiration from games like limbo Hmm. and even journey so journey has this nice thing where you uh you sort of glide over the sand you know as as you go between between areas and limbo, of course, is limbo. you have you have these different puzzles. So it's a puzzle platformers. Our, ours is more more of light puzzles, I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that was the main idea to have this uh, combination. Very nice, very nice. Uh, now you you mentioned flocking a couple of times, 
how how does that work in the game? Are you just when you go by other birds that are also in the world, do they just automatically kind of become part of your flock? Do you have to do something to 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 get them? What's and and what yeah. does that allow you to do um, once you you get these additional birds in your flock? So yeah, you um, basically you you see them in these uh, points where where they uh, where they hang around, uh, and then you can call them. We have we have a honk mechanism. The, you just honk at them. You didn't tell me there was honk technology in this game, man. You're holding out on me. <laughs> yeah. Continue. So, Sorry. Yeah. So right now you, you just call when when you when you honk at them. You you call. And, just one of them will join you. By the way, flocks, we have different types of birds there. We have like crows and seagulls and vultures and other geese. And uh, so, so it's kind of a mixed, uh, um, you know, group of birds that you can uh, collect. So right now they kind of, uh, they give you um, just the ability to... Uh, Go through uh, challenges, and since it's kind, of, it's kind of evolving. We, we uh, also would add other, um, more like vanity features. So, for example, you have like a nice uh, trail going. Uh, if you collect enough birds, you have an, uh, a longer trail. Um, you know, and without birds, you have no trail at all. So, some vanity thing there. Um, also, uh, yeah, there are, there are like specific points where, you know, you have, you have like scripted events, so like the birds fly away and then, and then in a, in a different, uh, level after that, you, you have to collect new ones. Okay. Now you mentioned you're, you're finding all these diff- various species of birds and, and you're a, uh, a goose yourself, right? Yeah. Um, but you're in you're in a desert. You're flying over like volcanic mountains. What has happened that this poor goose is is having to brave volcanoes and deserts and and all this other stuff? The, the idea is um, we sort of started with that because I, I wanted to sort of be a, a, like a fish out of water thing, hmm. um, and then and then I said, okay, we we need some sort of a <laughs> reasoning. So there isn't really a, a a clear explanation. It's part a mystery, but we do show at the intro uh, that you know some sort of uh, explosion happened. It might be like a meteorite, or like aliens landed and you know brought some uh, alien life with them so to transform uh, an area into a hostile area. But these are more uh, speculations that we let you uh, decide for yourself. Uh, there's no, there, there's no uh, elaborate story here, uh, and we do not um, provide definite answers. So it's part of that is kind of a mystery. Okay, so we're not gonna probe into the deep dark secrets of geese society and find out that they conquered the world and, and killed humanity or anything like that. You as a bird is more like uh, accidentally thrown into the situation and you need to somehow uh, get out of it. An interesting thing is um, we, we originally were supposed to have um, 
different birds that you can uh, sort of have an interchangeable uh, player bird, you know, different types. And uh, so the, the reality is that, you know, because of lack of time and resources, I had to focus on just one. Uh, so we do have uh, plans for other birds uh, to, to sort of, uh, that you would be able to switch from a goose to say, uh, a different type of bird, uh, but that's not uh, operational yet. We we might be adding that later. Okay, very cool, very cool. Uh, now we mentioned kind of at the beginning of the interview that uh, this looks like a very tranquil game, and that's definitely a vibe that you guys are going for. But I feel like that it could easily become boring if, like, in making a game that way. So. How do you go about trying to make it both relaxing but also satisfying? Right. Yeah, that's one of the things we tried to figure out. And so one would be to, uh, you know, design different levels that are kind of uh, uh, have a different uh, feeling and pace to them. So there's one level that's just more uh, easy and chill, and then there's there are others that are more challenging, and the, and then there's the like area that's actually a dangerous area that you feel you feel more stressed, or or there's there's like something you know looming around that you need to do it. So it's kind of a, uh, just the different designs of the of the different levels that that make the experience uh, uh, different, uh, and also the the challenges are. Uh, more tailored to uh, to each of the levels, uh, so some of like very, you know, light challenge that's easy to pass, and the, some of uh, uh, you know more more complex ones. But it's basically uh, more the environmental uh, aspect and the music that makes the makes the difference between them. Mm. Um, so you, you mentioned. Uh, multiple levels and kind of getting through the levels. We we talked about the fact that this kind of, uh, even if maybe in just its uh, kind of infancy, started life uh, similar to Infinite Runners. A uh, couple of different questions wrapped up in that. Um, is there a reason, once you finish the level, besides just, you know, enjoying it for any particular reason, is there any reason to go back to any levels? Can you find alternate paths or, or different ways to accomplish some of your objectives? And then also, have you thought about any, like, infinite runner modes where you can just, you know, try to get a high score or, you know, get the, the furthest distance or, or anything like that? So, yes, to both of your questions. Yeah. So, the there's definitely reason for you to replay uh, levels. You can also fly both directions. Oh, um, so yeah, and it's designed, uh, that you always have alternate paths to go. Um, so, uh, once you finish or even before that, you can decide to go on an explore, uh, there, uh, collectibles. Uh, so we have these, uh, uh, golden flowers that you can collect. 
uh, and there's a bunch of them on every level. They're sort of hidden. So that's the usual uh, mechanism of, of you know hiding stuff around. So so you have an incentive to uh, uh, go and explore the area. Um, you know even after you uh, so, sort of beat that uh, level. Um, and the other thing is we're supposed to have a mode for like not really infinite but more, more like for a speed run. Hmm. Okay. Um. It, I, it's currently not, not, it's not in the current build, but it's definitely in the plans. So you would be able to just fly through. Uh, there's also uh, something uh, a bit different that we wanted to implement, which is like a sort of a, a Zen mode uh, that would uh, eliminate the uh, eliminate the uh, dangers sort of that you don't even die. Uh, you just go without any worries um, and and nothing kills you. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's more... Uh, there are a few games that do that and that's more for kids, uh, you know, who like to go and play through something without uh, having to do like the platformer thing where you oh if you if you hit the ground you die so in that case you just move on very cool very cool that uh i'm I'm actually i'm a huge fan of i i like when a game can provide a challenge and uh a lot of games i play on you know what the the normal difficulty is and you know if i really enjoy it i'll go back and throw it up on whatever the highest difficulty is, but sometimes it's really nice just to be able to throw, you know, a game down on a super easy level and just, I, I mean, I get Zen is kind of the, the best word is just kind of like zone out and just be one with, with the game and not have to worry about dying or, or anything. So that's, that's really neat. Right. <laughs> Excellent. So when is the, the game actually uh, coming out on, on the website? It just says fall, 2019 uh we're, we're almost there though falls just around the corner Thanks, yeah thankfully. Um, yeah it's a good timing because we're, we're still ramping up for release the reason that uh, we didn't put a date is because so we, we'd have the chance to move it if mm-hmm. anything goes wrong but it will be released by uh, by october and anyway okay so so sometime in, in october excellent that is yeah awesome uh Okay, well, I, I think that does it for my questions about the game itself. Um, so now that means it's time to go into one of my favorite sections of the podcast, uh, which I guess, I mean, it should be. I, I host the podcast. They should all be my favorite sec- section. But uh, this one I really love. It's called In Game, and uh, it's more personal questions for you to answer. And the first one is very simple, but usually very difficult to, to actually answer. And that is, who is your favorite video game character? Uh, that can be hero, sidekick, villain... Any any number of different types of characters, but relegated to video games. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, interesting. I mean, a uh, lot of, lot of choices there, but yeah, if I had to pick one, I would say uh, Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. Oh. Uh, so when I played, I played all of them. Uh, you know, all, all all the three or four. Yeah. Three plus infinite, yeah. And, uh, three yeah, plus and the I, the expansions. Um, 
the burial at sea and uh, Minerva's den. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he's he's a great villain. Yeah. Uh, and I like his lines and all the dialogue there. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think they ever quite got a uh, a villain as good as Andrew Ryan in in any of the other games. <clears throat> what is um what if you were to rank the Bioshocks, uh what would be your your favorite to to least favorite? Uh, yeah, probably uh, the original would be the favorite, and then uh, Infinite, and then the and then the the the. the Two, uh, two and three, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And when I say infinite, I mean, of course, with the with the DLCs, which are, which are excellent. Awesome. Okay. So, okay, you can't say Bioshock um, for the answer to this question, and that'll make sense in just a second. Uh, <laughs> if you could play any game again for the first time and kind of have that first. That first time experience, you don't have to worry about the game aging poorly or anything like that. But if you could just go into a game with fresh eyes again, what would you like it to be? Ah, uh, uh, that's a tough one. Um, uh, maybe something like uh, Echo the Dolphin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, my college roommate was a big fan of Echo the Dolphin. I've never actually played any of those games. Um, but, uh, he was, he was a huge fan of Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Uh, any particular Echo the Dolphin, just the original for the, the Genesis or? Yeah. Yeah. The original. I mean, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, now this question is, uh, I've, I've, I've changed this question a lot over the last few episodes and I'm still trying to find what version of this question works best. So we'll, we'll see how this works. Uh, what, what is a blind spot in video games that you have that you would like to address? What is a big franchise or big genre of video games that you don't play, but that you would like to give a shot? Uh, let's see, maybe uh, Bloodborne. Okay. Uh, yeah, I never touched that. Also, also, also the Zelda series, uh, because I'm not really a Nintendo guy and I, I did, uh, uh, try to get into the Zelda, but it's not, wasn't really my thing. Uh, but yeah, I can give that a shot too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping, I, I don't have a Switch yet, um, but they just keep announcing more and more stuff for it, so I think... One of these days, I'm going to have to break down and buy one, and I, I hope Breath of the Wild becomes, like, my Zelda game. Because I feel like everybody has that... Whatever the first Zelda game that they played is, like, their Zelda game. Uh, so for some people, it's, you know, Ocarina of Time is the one that they have the most yeah. fond memories of. Some people, it's it's linked to the past. Uh, um, Breath of the Wild just looks super neat. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully that'll be the one that I I love. We'll We'll find out. Uh, that's yeah. something for that's way far in the future though. I've got to have enough money to buy one of those things. That's not right now. That's, that's well, yeah, that, that, yeah, that in time that uh, is, more, is more the problem there. And uh, yeah, because oh, yeah. when Breath of the Wild came out, I, I started playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Because oh I'm, yeah, yeah, those came out around the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and that game I, I really loved. Yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, so. Um, 
this is more general to video games, but what is a, a good trend in games that you would like to see more of? Uh, this can be gameplay mechanics. This can be something that you see a, a studio is doing with, um, I don't know, managing employees or studio politics. or It can be any of number of things. Uh, but what's, what's something in video games that you would like to see more of in the industry? Um, well, I, I mean, as, as a sort of an insider that, that I, when I go uh, and I work in, in studios – uh you see there's uh there's this tendency uh to sort of uh play it safe and and just uh try to mimic other successful games uh and so i i would like to, that's something very simple i would like to see more uh you know original uh mechanics and original stories that sort of make up uh like genres that are not really uh, established yet mm. um, and not have like these games that are, are basically clones of other games. And uh, but just, yeah, I, that just me and uh, like in, inside games, you can have a lot of other, uh, in, you know, uh, spe- specific features. I, I, I um, one thing that I like is like, there are a lot of, these uh, visual novel type games, but they're not really visual novel. They have some mechanics in them. And so sometimes you see um, studios, they try to sort of mash up this with, with a actual game that, that has more, I guess, interactivity in it. And, and mm-hmm. then you get, you get something uh, weird, like uh, what was it called? Uh, Edit Finch, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. Um, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, now, kind of flipping that on its head, what is what is a bad trope in video games that you wish you could see less of? Um, and you can't just say clones of other games because you already mentioned that. <laughs> um. Well, again, comes down to to personal. Preference, oh, I yeah. guess. Absolutely. Uh, just you know, making combat the the core of a game that is not necessarily combat related, mm. and you can even see that in in games like Assassin's Creed or, or and and uh, uh, maybe some of the God of War games. That okay, they have combat as their main uh, way of progressing. But the actual, uh, there are actual elements of that games that are totally non-related, uh, and um, so sometimes you wish you would be able to just uh, go through that, you know, with, without beating that boss or having to uh, uh, play through some, you know, other fight thirty times to just move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate it when, you know, in some games this doesn't happen. Uh, and I don't know if it's just a, a thing of combat fatigue in a game or if it's a if, if it's when just a game doesn't have very good combat. But whenever you're fighting enemies and then the, the game tells you that you're about to fight another wave of enemies, that moment where I go, oh, I don't want to fight anybody else right now. 
Like that <laughs> that's what I know. It's like something is not right. Whether it's just it's too much fighting or the fighting's not good enough. But when when that clicks in my mind, it's just like okay, it's time to play something else. We I I'm done fighting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of very, very. It gets very repetitive and tiring. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, so you have done a number of different things: working uh, in software engineering, working at a big video game studio, having your own studio. Um, but if you could try literally any other profession in the whole world, what is something that you would like to give a shot? Well, something to do with, um, I guess, movie making or, or, or editing. Yeah, that, that, that kind of thing always fascinated me. Okay. Um, yeah, even TV stuff. <laughs> okay, so uh, side tangent question. What is the one film franchise or TV series that you would love to be able to work on? Uh, okay, let's think. Uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones? <laughs> okay. okay. So, are you, do you want to just be a part of the that TV series, or do you want to, like, redo the last couple of seasons? <laughs> well, yeah, redo would, would be great. If, if they decide to, to reboot the entire thing, then, yeah, that would be exciting to to work on. But yeah. really any aspect of it. Okay. Uh, I'm sure it'll be rebooted at some point because, you know, it's <laughs> everything gets rebooted all the time. It, you can't have original movies or TV shows these days. Um, yeah. That's that's my own personal beef. We'll get well. I'll let go of that. Um, okay. So final question. And so this, uh, I don't know what the circumstances are, but somehow you meet Andrew Ryan, and you get to ask him one question. What is that question, and what is his response? Well, let's see. Um, I would ask him. Well. Was it was it really worth it uh, to you know get the entire city destroyed and um, you know seeing the aftermath of, of everything and uh, his response? Jeez, uh, I can't figure. Uh, but something like, yeah, no, I, I don't really know what you respond to that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe you have to ask, uh, Ken Levine that question, uh, <laughs> to get a response, but okay, that works, that works. Well, uh, Amos, thank you so much, that, that does it for the end game and for the, the interview, uh, it was great getting to chat with you about Dune C, if you could let our listeners know, uh, where they can go to find out more information about the game and just again remind them uh, when they're going to be able to get their hands on it. Yeah, you can go to the Steam page of Dune C. If you, if you go to Steam and, and search for Dune C, you'll find it and uh, wishlist us. Uh, you can also go to the Dune C website, which is uh, dunec.netlify.com. 
And from there, you get access to uh, both the Steam page and the Discord channels and everything. Uh, so, yeah, please uh, go and uh, add us to your wish list. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, links for all that stuff will be in the show notes for the episode. Thank you so much again for, uh, for sitting down with me and talking about the game. And best of luck as you guys finish up development and get the game out the door. Uh, into people's hands and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon about uh, the whatever the next game is where you're you know uh, birds attacking people I look forward to that one. <laughs> yeah thanks for having me 